All right, welcome to the Full Value Podcast, Full Value Contract, where you're okay, I'm okay, and what we're doing is okay. That sounds really radio I can't do this. Hold on. <laughs> All right, welcome to the Full Value Contract... Uh, <laughs> this is going to be the long intro. Welcome to the Full Value Podcast, uh, where you're okay, I'm okay, and what we're doing is okay. Um, this is the first uh, um, podcast uh, that we're attempting to uh, do. I don't know if it'll work, and if it does, I don't know how often it'll happen. Um, <laughs> so this is going to be... Uh, a fun ride that uh, for, I don't know, basically my mom who's listening right now uh, <laughs> will be fun for her. Um, this is Nick Walwork, your host, and I'm here today with my good buddy, um, Tony Loretti. I'm Tony Loretti. Tony worked at summer camp with me uh, at Camp Johnsonburg, yes. which uh, if I do get any regular listeners to this podcast, we'll hear too much about. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway. Oh, so just for listeners anywhere, I... I Phil informed Tony before we started recording my three areas of interest, and so therefore where this podcast is going to go is um, pop culture, um, politics, and faith. And so every week, hopefully, we'll have a guest on who will uh, um, kind of uh, talk about those things or not talk about those things or tell me how those things are dumb. Uh, So there we go. So, um, um, and now, Tony, what are you doing with your life? Well... What were you doing with your life? So that's uh, probably the better question. <laughs> right now, I'm sort of in between things. But uh-huh. um, so I was most recently working uh, in Alaska as a zip line and rock climbing tour guide, and before that, I had done a wilderness training program in Utah, International Wilderness Leadership School, and before that, I was doing a mission year in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, for a year where I was exploring. Well. Mission Year is a specific program, and I was a member of that program in which we, uh, groups of young people live in inner-city neighborhoods, usually under-resourced neighborhoods, and just explore what it means to be a good neighbor and try and live as a Christian through a year with intentional relationships and community. Um, how We were there for a year, right? Is that there for a year. 11, okay. 11 calendar months. Okay, 11 calendar months. Very good. And where were you living at the time? Uh, I was living in English Avenue, which is a uh, neighborhood just about a mile and a half outside of downtown Atlanta. Okay. Um, that's cool. And so what were you doing there necessarily with? Yeah, that's the question is, and what were we doing there? Uh, so <laughs> well. us specifically, our house specifically um, was had been in the English. So Mission Year was an organization that existed for about 10 years. The English Avenue house in Atlanta or the English Avenue neighborhood, we had been in that neighborhood as an organization for 10 years. And so what we were doing is I personally, so we ran this after school program called say yes, and also did a summer camp program once we got there. Um, and so that's mostly what we were doing is, uh, help helping run that program, being involved in that church, new life covenant church. And then, um, also just trying to get to know the people around who we were living with. So not just each other in our houses, which was really difficult getting to know and live with and try and love people you uh, people you were living with, but then the neighbors, which... Uh, so most of the members of our house, not all, but most, were white. I'm white. Uh, we were living in a non-white neighborhood, mostly African-American. Um, and South. I'm also from the North. I'm not South either. So just exploring what it was to try and get to know people, who, kids, older... Middle age, was, everything. Was everyone in the, in the house from the north, or they were just from all over? All over, okay. from everywhere. Some were from the south, west, east, north, everything. So how, how did I? How did that go? I, I always had this like weird thing about uh, 
like going in and like this like white savior thing that like we I work at a church and so I basically perpetuate that all the time, uh, right. you know. But uh, you know, so I don't know how is that experience for you that part of it particularly. Right. So that's a really good question. What I desire to do with my life is to facilitate wilderness experiences for inner uh-huh. city youth. And again, I'm white, so that again looks like white savior. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? And that so a mission year, we spent the first like two like week to two weeks training. So essentially, what they meant that meant was us getting to know what the program meant and getting ready for what we were going to do for that whole year. And a lot of what we combated is Mission Year tries really hard to get a multicultural group, but it still often winds up being a lot of white people. Not only, but a lot. Um, And so we had to deal a lot with you are not a savior. You're not going to save anything. You're really just going to get to know these people. And wherever the Holy Spirit leads you, that's great. But you are not a savior. (laughs) And so a lot of it was getting to know these people in your house and you started to realize very quickly that you didn't have it all together and you yeah. never were. My like started when we worked at camp together, my like started ministry working with uh, the kids who would come in from the inner city. Those right. were always my favorite. And I now looking back, always were they my favorite because uh, I was help saving them. And there was a little bit of that, you know, when you're right. 19 and like all of a sudden you're faced with any kind of adversity because, you know, when you grow up in, uh, suburban New Jersey, it's all, nothing's really, you don't have a real hard life, uh, <laughs> right. aside from the fact you're suburban, um, which is, you know, has its own challenges, but not as bad as inner city kids. So my first experience was um, with those inner city kids, and I, I definitely think there was a little bit of trying to help them there, but also a uh, little bit of, um, uh, it's tough to, like, parse that out from, it's- am I helping them because they're, black and poor or am I helping them because they're just other people that I'm right. supposed to help and it's, um, it's probably both because yeah. it's so underlying especially so you have all that racial stuff in America but then as Christians we're supposed to be helping the least of these mm-hmm. so somewhere in the de- deep recesses of our mind we decide that the least of these are black people Yeah, so and that might not be the case well exactly and so uh, yeah I mean the statistics are that African Americans are more likely poor you know than white people in especially in the northeast where i'm from or in Mm -hmm. atlanta uh Mm -hmm. where you were um you know maybe if we were in west virginia you know there would see more white poor people but you know the reality is that that's always i always said that stuff we we have a um a strong classic mission program here at the church Mm -hmm. that i'm at uh so paying missionaries to go overseas and it right every time feels like a lot of you know, like we're sending the white saviors to go yeah. save those poor heathens. And there is a little bit of that, um, as there would be in even missionary or having the kids come up to camp and stuff. But, uh, you know, there's also a little bit of, you know, they, they have schools over there, um, you know, and as long as, and medical clinics and stuff. And so that stuff's good. And you're right, helping the least of these. And we live in a country and a world where the least of these are not white. You know, uh, oftentimes, not always. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think acknowledging some of those realities is important. Well, that's cool. Um, I, oh, the other, the other big question I had for you, um, if we can divert or we can keep talking about mission year, uh, or probably come back. Um, what's your feelings on church in general? (laughs) Um, do you mean church as in a building where we gather for worship or church is in a body of belief, like more biblically defined? Like, what are we, what do we mean when we say what church? I don't know. I'm gonna leave that open. Okay. Let's let's start with let's start with the the uh, the building. You know, we're in, we're in a church building right now, so that's okay. a good place to start. Uh, um, 
I guess I like church, I guess. Uh-huh. Church can be can be a really good thing. Church meaning the body or the building where we yeah, gather yeah. for worship and gather to do things. Uh-huh. Um, I've been going to church since I was very since I was born. I was baptized as an infant. Uh, first like nine years of my life went to Episcopal church, then went to a Presbyterian oh, really? church that. from then on out. Why why the switch? Uh, I think at that time they didn't have a super strong youth program mm-hmm. the one I was at and I was my parents first kid and, and my brother was three years younger so mm-hmm. they wanted a nice good uh, Sunday school program and all that and the church we went to had a stronger one plus they at that time the Episcopals were starting to deal with um, ordination of homosexuals and my dad wasn't super thrilled on that <laughs> at that point um, and so just like didn't really want to deal with that so just they were going looking at another church anyways and that sort of propelled them out the door that's funny that's funny. I was baptized Episcopal as well. Oh, really? Yeah, my, yeah, my parents were married at Episcopal Church. My my heritage, um, as I sit here and talk about white guilt, uh, is English. It's like pretty straight up <laughs> off the boat <laughs> right. English. So all my relatives came over and joined right. the so Anglican Church or the yeah. Episcopal Church. So, uh, yeah, and then we came down to New Jersey and joined a Presbyterian church. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, so I guess is in a, it can be a really good thing as long as you don't just stay in the doors and – Church is really a hard topic because a lot of people just don't like church at all. A lot of people just think church is boring mm-hmm. because they only come on Sundays. So for me, I guess I like churches in the building when it is more than just that one hour on Sundays when there's a youth group or a whole mm-hmm. community getting together. And this, like, for me, my church uh, down in New Jersey is like family to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I would say I like churches when it's functioning as a community, not just as a club that we hang out and talk about Jesus and might feel bad about ourselves for an hour every Sunday. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're trying to. We really have this like conversation all the time of, like, if people aren't coming, uh, you know, people don't come on Tuesday or Wednesday. Right. You know, it's this, this just kind of persistent problem that, you know, I read about is in the, you know, every church faces and stuff. So if Sunday morning is your only time, how do you make it more about... Right. You know, I think the old model was Sunday mornings you came to church and you learned about, you talked about Jesus and maybe sometimes felt bad about yourself. And, but that's cool because you came on Wednesday night or Sunday night right, or right, right. Saturday afternoon or whatever. And so, um, but yeah, the church is an interesting thing. I, uh, I often think that uh, churches are going to look very different in 20 years. Oh, yeah. So, I, you know, I'm under an ordination track and hope to do this but i know that i'm not gonna have a church like this right you know where i'm the senior pastor and i just preach two services on a sunday and then like you know not to say right. the senior pastors don't do anything they do a lot um meet with people and all that stuff but i think there's gonna be i don't know more of a i think right. there's gonna be more of a social entrepreneurship of churches right well uh, as much as it should be because i mean our culture and society looks different than it did 20 years yeah. ago so if we're going to continue to be the church in the present day yeah we need to start to look different too yeah yeah and you know we can't just stand up on the pulpit and say give me money or give money towards missions or give money right. towards the soup kitchen we have to i think and i think i would love to have gone to a seminary uh, that had a joint MDiv and M- MBA gr- degree. Oh, hmm. Because I th- oh, that's interesting. Because I think I think churches are going to need to generate their own revenue through business. You know, good business. You know, right. uh, and some of them do. You know, that's the kind of classic nursery school model. But I don't think those nursery schools, like the one I went to at Presbyterian Church, isn't going to sustain the whole church. Right. They need to find. You know, so. 
person I know who's starting a church out in uh, um, Long Island and uh, or is working on church planting, and uh, they're hoping that that church, that community, faith community they have right now, will turn into a microbrewery. You know, and that's how huh. they'll sustain themselves on you know Monday through Saturday, right. and then Sunday they'll worship, you know, or whatever it is. Uh, um, I think that's awesome. I think that's, that's, that's the great. dream. A lot of people probably don't think that's awesome. <laughs> no, I, know. I think I, it's great. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah. So, but, uh, you know, and what's ironic, though, is that I feel like micro, the plethora of microbreweries is, isn't going to be passe by the time they get around to doing that. Right. You yeah. Know, maybe it'll be. But there are, you know, ways that, I don't know. I don't know how, how churches can do that, but there ha- right. will have to be a way where we make more money or we don't have churches and i don't know how i feel about that right i mean i think again because now i think it's impossible to not have churches but in the <laughs> classic model where church is a building yeah. that may we might not have that anymore yeah. and if that was the example then right after jesus there wasn't churches for centuries mm-hmm. it was just people meeting in houses they mm-hmm. had to be underground but even after that they didn't have buildings for yeah. a while yeah i uh i just i was online a couple uh a couple like a month ago talking to someone about uh um house churches as I get into my Facebook arguments as I do. Um, and, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know if that's like a good model. I, I know, I understand the historical preference of, you right. know, of it, but does, uh, does having, we need to, I feel like we need to have some kind of leadership. Perhaps I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I don't. Maybe that's real Presbyterian of me. Maybe that's really just cause I'm obnoxious and want to be in charge of things. <laughs> but, uh, um, <laughs> You know, so I don't, I don't know, you know, is there, is there some, uh, a form of leadership? Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I, even looking, talking about uh, house churches and its biblical origins is there was even leadership then too. It looked very different. And it's mm-hmm. hard for us to know exactly what it was. Yeah. But I mean, I tend to agree with you and I don't even like leadership that I think leadership <laughs> is always necessary. Yeah. And it's very Presbyterian of me to think like not just one person, sure. the whole thing, <laughs> but sure. Still, and that can happen in house churches or not. I mean, it needs to look very different now than it did yeah. then because the man isn't just in charge of everything. Yeah. Um, like it was then, for the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, you know, Paul had Timothy and all his, like, yeah, right. but there's still Paul even in those early churches right. that kind of, you know, was the big architect of them. So, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. So, all right. So, church without walls, bigger church. Okay. Just go for it. Go or? for it. <laughs> Go for it. I'll tell you my opinions on it, maybe, too. Um, see, that's even, like, somehow a huger topic. Um, well, all right. Let's start this way. Let's 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 go just a little bit bigger. Let's go, like, denominate the church in the U.S. denominationally, if that's if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, so I think I do. So I guess, yes, I do have thoughts on that, and that actually helps me narrow down my thought as a yeah. church outside of the walls. So we like to, and ever since the Reformation, if I don't like something... I'm just going to start a new denomination. Mm-hmm. Um, and when people even ask me, well, what religion are you? I say Christian. They're like, well, you're Catholic? <laughs> like, what religion? I'm like, no, no, I'm Christian. <laughs> but to not be obnoxious, I guess I'm Presbyterian. Yeah. But I don't even know how much I even really think that much about Presbyterian theology to make me Presbyterian. There's uh-huh. a lot of stuff that I just grew up with, so I accept. Yeah. But I don't like, and I, to a certain degree, like denominations in so far as it helps me worship in the way that's most comfortable for me. Not that worship should always be comfortable because it's not about me. It's about God. Mm-hmm. Um, or even life really. Um, and sometimes uncomfortable worship pushes you closer towards absolutely. on those things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, things that jar you out of your place right. will push you towards God and towards, 
you know, all that kind of stuff. So. And to a certain degree, denominations allow for uh, that maybe I disagree with one denomination and I can disagree, but still remain somehow in the church universal by mm-hmm. being part of this other one. But it again gives us this sort of freedom to say, well, I don't agree with you on this. So instead of struggling, struggling with you in this in community and trying to either somehow never agree or get to an impasse, I'm just going to leave you and I'm going to mm-hmm. leave that. And that I don't think is the body universal. That's Mm-hmm. where maybe mem- like even some denominations need to reconcile somehow. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know how much you've been paying attention to the Presbyterian, the PCUSA. I don't pay that much attention. What, is that, what a mess they're having with all that. I mean, they're having all these big chur- conservative churches leave. Right. Um, essentially because of uh, the PCUSA's movement towards gay ordination. Uh, they don't like it, and so instead of And arguing, same-sex marriage as well, right? And same-sex marriage. Well, yeah, they're all kind of intertwined because... Right. Yeah, that's how they got away. So, yeah, I yeah, um, and uh, well, sorry with ordination and then ended up with a marriage. But yeah, that's right. how. So they're trying. You know, people are just like, no, we're gonna not do this anymore. You know, right. and so, uh, you know, instead of having their voice heard, and you know, and so, you know, I, I've heard, you know, oh, the PCUSA is becoming a more liberal denomination. My idea of what liberal is is different than <laughs> I think others, but right. the the truth of that is, the truth in that is that people are you know all the conservatives quote unquote are leaving the denomination. So yeah, by default you're leaving all the liberals there to go. Right. All right. Well, you know we'll do all this liberal stuff. You know, which I, personally I'm kind of part of me. Part of me is uh, you know what if they want to leave, let them go. Good right. riddance. You know. And then part of me also is that kind of, you know, and that's where I think the gospel challenges us to uh, reconcile, right. you know, that, that I also think our denomination is a mess in general, but, uh, but I think it, I, not a mess that we need to leave it, a mess that it, you right. know, it can, you know, and there's reasons, no money, no, you know, people oh, yeah. leaving, people in strong leadership roles leaving over, you know, one issue and not like keeping, right. you know, so uh, it's a mess, but so. Uh, so when you were at Mission Year, uh, well, you went to what you went to Roberts Wellesleyan, which is Roberts a, a it was a free free Methodist, free Methodist. some sort of Methodist school. Okay, uh, started and it was so B T Roberts is where it gets his name from. I think he started the free Methodist part yeah, of Methodism, I think, and then Wesleyan after John Wesley. Okay, but yeah, and so it was still Methodist when you went there. Yes. Okay. Who knows if it is now or not? I'm, <laughs> well, not, I know a, I'm a of, not a good alumni. So. A lot of these churches or a lot of these schools start as a main line and then you know kind of right. splinter off into their own, um, you know, yeah, non-denominational or like my seminaries like that, and they like to call themselves uh, multi-denominational, which is like a stupid branding thing. Right. Some <laughs> advertising jerk was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you're not non-denominational, you're multi-denominational, you embrace everyone, but we're really like pretty Baptist and, uh, well actually my, my school's really fun. It's uh black Baptist and, uh, Pentecostal. All right. So there's a lot of clapping and hollering, like in the middle of lectures. It's <laughs> um, but it's pretty interesting. So, so, uh, so what else, what else about the, the church universal or, I like that. I like that you said about the comfort, comforting things. I feel like uh, I know when I go into Presbyterian church, we're gonna kind of do things the same way, right? You know, yeah. and even even a contemporary service or tr- you know uh, whatever is still gonna have 
We're still going to probably do the doxology. The Lord's Prayer is going to be debts. And, right. you, know, <laughs> right. like, yep. you know, there is a comfort, comfortability to that. Um, but a lot of people aren't looking for that, which I think is right. interesting. The more people I talk to are, especially in this area, ex-Catholics, you know, who right. like, don't look for any of that stuff. And that, yeah. as a kid who grew up in a church, that weirds me out to, like, not <laughs> think about that stuff when you look yeah. at the church. Yeah, because if I went was looking for a church outside mm-hmm. of the church I had now, uh-huh. I don't even, like... Again, because for me, church has always been about community. And mm-hmm. I guess because it's that way, I always think it should be about community. So what worship is can be very flexible as long as, like, mm-hmm. God is still at the center. Yeah, and Jesus yeah. is still at the center. So I'm very comfortable with, like, the Presbyterian, PCUSA branding of contemporary. Mm-hmm. But, and I'm also introverted. So, like, a lot of the clapping and dancing stuff is not really, <laughs> but I'm again <laughs> just because of my experience so yeah. i'm a little bit more open as long as that community part is there but i think yeah. that that yeah that's not gonna be everyone's yeah opinion. but i i would always look i actually just moved to rockaway and uh i instantly like drove by the presbyterian church and was like that's probably where if i wasn't working at a church we'd probably s- at least start there right you know and they have a nursery school there for charlotte and so that's probably where we'll center the nursery school because right you know it's, you're part of the, part of the crowd and i think that's part of the job of church's problem is that we're all in our little clans and cliques right. you know so i'm a presbyterian with a tattoo um, of it on my you know <laughs> so, yeah and right, so right, i'm right. gonna only go with my own uh right uh, thing but whatever so um we'll see i might edit i'm gonna edit this all yeah <laughs> <So> <laughs> you want to just throw it on the internet no, you know no, here no, it is no, no. <laughs> we'll, make it, we'll make it sound like we know what the hell we're talking about <laughs> Uh, and I haven't decided my my policy on cursing for it yet. Right. Because <laughs> I am pro cursing uh, in general, not pro cursing. I'm not certainly not anti it. Uh, right. I would be more like pro expression. That sometimes expression. Sometimes yes. shit is yes. only is going to be the depth of where you need to go. Yeah, yeah, whereas yeah. so yeah, poop is not. You don't want to. You need to express more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Guttural. Sort yes, of I think that's what it is. There's a time and place for it. my mom used to always tell us that. There's yeah. a time and place to curse when you drop a brick on your foot allowed <laughs> right yeah. if you're just sitting in the living room that's not necessarily allowed so right um, unless you're really passionate <laughs> yes unless you're getting real worked up which i do sometimes um no. so anyway so all right so that's our faith thing unless you well we can come back to it we don't have to like follow this at all right. um i mean pop- for me faith is probably going to hit all of them anyway yeah yeah no absolutely <laughs> uh pop culture what do you think about anything uh in the do you follow anything that's <laughs> barely? Um, <laughs> I feel like I know this. <laughs> I, I don't really care about pop culture that or much. Just culture in general. <laughs> really like board games, which are starting to become more into pop culture. So they really are. Like. There you go. <laughs> I there really you like go. board games. There you go. Um, uh-huh. And maybe it's. I mean, it's probably a cop out to just say I don't like pop culture. Of course, I mm. consume some of it, but a lot of it is also because some of it is of it is wrapped up in things that I don't like because a lot of it has to do with my faith that okay. I don't like it as much, which is not necessarily good is to totally disengage. It's not um, a good thing. I can just say one thing I really don't like about pop culture. Uh-huh. Just it's okay. on my mind. Uh, how much, especially in commercials, we use sex to sell everything. Uh-huh. Like why, when I'm buying a chair, does I need some woman who has half her clothes on smiling at me <laughs> weird way to sell me that chair? Interesting. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think we, well, I, I've been having these uh, arguments with, you know, and, 
have this six-month-old daughter now, and so right. now everything, and this is super cliche, and I'm a little bit terrible for doing it, and I agree that, <laughs> um, you know, that now everything is more intense, you know, the, like, sexism and, like, using right. sex and stuff is more intensified, uh, though I thought about it beforehand, now I'm, like, real passionate right. and, like... <laughs> You know what? Is, what is my daughter gonna have to do? You know, uh, in right. the future and stuff. And and it's I don't necessarily mind sex being used to sell, but I feel like the de- the the way we degrade women in that. That's fair. you know you know if only every time men are used to sell sex or as sex objects to sell things is always I feel like it's always an ironic, right? Uh, you know, sense which further. Perpetuates, kind of, yeah. yeah, perpetuates those kind of uh, stereotypes, and you know, because it's ooh, it's funny that he has his shirt off, and even if it's you know, right, a hot guy, you know, for me, it's a lot of like just totally unnecessary. Like I'm really don't like the degrading of women because that's all wrapped up in it. It's like when it's totally unnecessary. Yeah, it's like you can't your product's not good enough that you can't give me like a real reason why I want to buy this. You have to emotion, you have to manipulate my mm. sex drive to yeah. try and want me to buy that product. And yeah. It's just, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't. I don't want. I don't well, feel manipulated. You know, advertising is always playing to your simplest, your simplest <laughs> pleasures because it's easy. You know, right. we, um, uh, you know, we 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 answer to you know what's you know that's why they spend so much time making Big Macs look delicious. You know. <laughs> Because right, yeah. we also are fat people, you know, we're <laughs> right. fat sex addicts, you know, like that's what right. America is, you know, and so there, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know what the answer is, you know, I, I think there's a whole like, you know, and this could get into politics too, a whole anti-intellectualism that like, hmm. you know, uh, having people use their brains is not cool. It certainly <laughs> right. doesn't sell things. It certainly right. doesn't. Uh, you know, if you watch basically any news, it's you know appealing oh, right. to the it's appealing to those same emotions that sex on TV, you know, sex in a commercial is, or right. the really juicy looking Big Mac or any of that stuff. Um, so I don't know. I think it's all pretty. <laughs> um, so I'm much more into pop culture and consuming it and stuff. I uh, I just got the new Taylor Swift album, and I am okay <laughs> with saying that shit is awesome. <laughs> So, uh, some people may highlight the fact that you said shit when referring to yeah, Taylor Swift. Maybe that may be it. Uh, I personally don't care. No, I was having fun with it the other day, but uh, I've I've gotten I've gotten over my my own like need to be smart or whatever, or be superior or whatever when it comes to particularly uh, music. I don't care right. anymore. I don't care. <laughs> um. Oh, speaking of music, I want to uh, worship music. What is your feeling on that? Since we were talking about worship before, um, meaning well, like you know, like your classic, uh, like Hillsong, or you know, your kind of uh, Chris Tomlin's. Your your uh, right. raise your hand in the air. You talked about how you don't like doing that stuff necessarily, right? But uh, you know, how do you feel about that music? I, I've met people who are like, oh, it's really dumb, and you know. Uh, it's interesting. So when I was growing up, it was just all hymns, basically, because yeah, contemporary yeah. hadn't really hit it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found that myself more tied into worship with contemporary. But I don't really think it's the lyrics all the time, because mm-hmm. if you look back to hymns, sometimes there's so much more theology packed into hymns yeah. than there are, ever are in contemporary, because you get like one verse and just repeat the chorus eight mm-hmm. times and mm-hmm. call it a song. Uh, so it's just a lot harder to get that theology. So I think from like a 
intellectual point of view, I like hymns just mm-hmm. because of what they talk about a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but musically, because I'm born of this age, yeah. that I find myself always connected a little bit better, and it facil- facilitates me worshiping God a little bit better because on an emotional level, I connect yeah. more to that music than I would the hymn. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I always have mixed feelings about it because you're right. The theology, sometimes the theology in some of those songs is outright terrible. Um, <laughs> right. and I, right. those ones I have a real hard time with, but the music is always so good, but I, I've gotten into the more contemporary songs, the artists and stuff I listen to, uh, is when they cover hymns and I'm like, Oh, this is it. Yes. You got it both. <laughs> right. You know, you're singing amazing grace, but it's, you know, got a band behind it and I'm like a hundred percent on board, you know, like right. those times. So. Uh, that's always interesting, um, but uh, yeah, and I, you know, I think uh, we have this debate all the time at you know my church and when I've been up at camp is you know what what's more important is making people feel good, right? You know, or feel into it, you know, uh, more important than a good theological backing of a song, right? Uh, so I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's got to also be somewhere in between. It's, it's got to be, answers yeah. are, but Yeah, yeah, it's not binary. But. And I think we also need to be very careful with worship, and I said it earlier, too, is how much worship becomes about us and like what makes mm-hmm. me comfortable and what church I want to go to and all these yeah. I things when worship should be about mm-hmm. God. But then, like I just said a minute ago, like contemporary music makes me feel more connected and thus mm-hmm. I'm better able to worship God. So yeah. sort of where is the line between me worshiping God and then me just wanting to feel good on a Sunday, yeah. whatever day it is. Yeah. We're uh, this Sunday we're taking. Uh, so Hillsong has a New York City. I don't know if you know about this uh, New York City branch with this no, new pastor uh, named Carl Lentz, who's. An interesting dude. He grew up. It's a Pentecostal church. Okay. Uh, he has an interesting story, um, and he has he delivers a really good message. Right. Um, but he, he they have a satellite here in Montclair because he actually lives in t- uh, you know around here, and uh, so we're gonna we're taking the youth group there on Sunday, and I'm interested to see how they uh, handle that or mm-hmm. or how it goes. I haven't actually even been to one of their services, right. but they're very much is it's. What I have heard is that it's loud. <laughs> That's the only thing I've heard. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, but that might be good. You know, I, I like uh, right. when I've been to concerts like that or worship services like that or whatever. I always feel like it's good to you kind of lose yourself in that, which is good. You right. know, people are like oh, it's a rock show. You know, well. Yeah, but it's also loud, and that's good, and dark, so you become this kind of, like, central, but also you're part of this community, you know, because there are, you can feel that energy, and uh, that's what I like, but you're right, you know, I don't, I don't know what the answer is, if I were to ever start a church on my own, you know, where you have a blank slate, what would I, what would I want to do, you know, unlimited possibilities, where would I want to go, you know, I wouldn't have an organ, I know that much, (laughs) because I hate them, but, (laughs) um, but, uh, you know, I, what's going to engage people, you know, and, you know, I think that all goes back to this question of what is, what is church for and what are we as Christians called to do? Make disciples, right? right? That's the great commission that it says in in Matthew 25 there. Right. What does that mean? What is making a disciple? Right. You know, and that's the conversation I have around church all the time, especially with like missionaries, you know, is just having people say they accept Jesus into their heart. Uh, Right. Is that is that good enough? You know, uh, I would say it's not the only. You know, it's not an end game necessarily. Right. I don't know. Someday we'll figure out all the answers, right? <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. So, <laughs> sorry, I got distracted by uh, 
all this stuff. There's like a lot of lights flashing <laughs> over here that I'm like trying to pay attention to. I've noticed a lot of like podcasts I listen to that are good, uh, like have someone else who does all this stuff, and I right. totally get why. Because this is like <laughs> distracting. My ADD is out of control right now. And I'm like, what is happening? Uh, so, anyway, um, what else is going on with you, Tony? Um, so you're not working now. Not working now. Uh, I was still sort of M in the like talking process with the Urban Trekkers. Which, What's that? So it's like a partner. Are you familiar with Urban Promise at no. all? So Urban Promise uh, started in Camden. Has a couple of different cities now. Mm-hmm. I think it's it was Camden or somewhere around that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and they started doing like summer camps for urban city ki- for inner city kids mm-hmm. to give them somewhere else to go, uh, and then sort of developed into tutoring and sort of full year services. And the one in Camden specifically started a school called the Urban Promise Academy. It's a private high school for the kids who sort of grow up in that uh, program. Um, And then out of the school, uh, this man named Jim Cummings started a program called Urban Trekkers, Mm -hmm. which is like continuing, so taking sort of the education that they're doing and then adding a like environmental, like practical experiential education to it. Mm -hmm. So like for instance, in biology, they're learning about tides and marine biology or that sort of thing. Uh, you take the teacher, you take the kids in the grade that are learning that, mm-hmm. and you take them on like a canoe trip to an island where they can experience the tides oh, yeah, and yeah. talk about all that sort of stuff, but also sort of the wilderness experience that automatically most of the time, especially is going to put inner city kids directly out of their comfort zone and then mm-hmm. also deal with the stuff that comes up That's there. Like comfort zone stuff, yeah. So pretty much exactly what I want to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> like I <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Sounds like all of the. So I'm in the talking with them and trying to figure out what sort of things I want to do. Um, I really like uh, the wilderness sort of stuff. So wilderness guiding season is typically mm-hmm. from April to September or October. So I was currently, I was working for the holiday season and now I probably have to find another job until April and then find <laughs> another job from April after that, depending on how the stuff goes with urban mm-hmm. trekkers. But yeah, I like that. Uh, you know, we're summer camp guys, so I like right. that. I love, I love the the wilderness part of it too. And yeah. you know, I take even these like you know kind of rich white kids, you know, right. out to out to the woods, and they're like, you know, it shocks people into <laughs> you know. And I think there's a real biblical model for that. Which oh is yeah, awesome. So yeah. So earlier you sort of mentioned in an offhand sort of throwaway is like, what are we Christians supposed to even be doing? Yeah. No. And your I first th- response immediately was to make disciples. And I think sort of where I am in my faith now, and of course that's one of the answers. Yeah. But immediately that's not my first response. Even when you say to make disciples, um, I'm like, well, sure, but Jesus, like, I'm most more socially justice bent right now because of mm-hmm, like sort of mm-hmm. the things that I've yeah, been yeah. doing. Um, and so it's because you can look to the Bible, and not only when you talk about Matthew where he says that, but then you also have Matthew 25 where he mm-hmm. says to take care of the least of these, you take yeah. care of me. And then also in Luke 4, 418, I think when he's reading the scroll of Isaiah in Nazareth, mm-hmm. he reads that I've come to proclaim the good news to the poor, freedom and all this stuff where he immediately says that like, I've come to do things, not mm-hmm. just like have you say that yeah. you believe in me, but like actually change physical, physical circumstances for people. And mm-hmm. I think as followers, we're supposed to do that too. So like, not only am I supposed to believe in Jesus and accept well, all yeah. these things, but it's supposed to like, to go like theological terms, not just orthodoxy, which is right belief, but orthopraxy, which mm-hmm. is right practice. Like the two yeah. have to be married together. You yeah. can't have one without, you shouldn't have one without the other. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I once went to a youth worker conference and uh, someone came up to me and we were talking and they said, so how many kids did you save this year? And I said, none. 
none I didn't. You know, this is right. uh, a much more conservative person who, you know, wanted to know how many kids I got down on their knees crying. And, right. You know. Did you ask them how many they saved? And when they gave you numbers, said you're lying? No, no. No, I, I was, my snarkiness was, no, nope, Jesus did that 2,000 years ago. I just hang out with them. You know, uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, absolutely. It's the, But there's that real right. mindset of, like, so the question is, I, I agree. I do believe that we have to make disciples. That's what we're called to do. But what is a disciple? A disciple is someone right. who serves Jesus. And if you go back to Matthew 25, he says, which I believe I said before that uh, the Great Commission comes out of Matthew 25. I know it comes out of Matthew 28. Yes. I'm sure. Uh, my brother might, like, correct me on that. But, uh, um, so uh, in order to be a follower of Jesus, you know, and James talks about this in his right. in his. Bible right. all in his book all the time. We our mission trip last year that was our theme. We read through James for the whole week oh, with wow. our high schoolers, and that's his thing. You know, like you can have this faith, but it's not really worth much if you're not right. doing anything. You know, it's not to say that you know you have to do things to get into heaven, right? Whatever that is, and that's a question for another talk, maybe uh, discussion. But you know, it's that. Um, if we have this faith, we have to do something about it, you know, that right. the praxis, you know. Well, we can't, it sh- and it should be, we can't even help but do something about it, right? Because, like, it's never, once you get into good theology, like, it's never really us. <laughs> yes, yeah, But yeah. if you have, the, like, and a lot of people, when they try and justify James, because I know mm-hmm. Martin Luther got pissed at that book. Yeah, of course. Start to say, like, little f faith versus capital F faith, and, yeah. like, what that means. And if you have the saving faith, that should totally change everything and you can't help but do something about well, it. Well, I, you know, I, I, we did James and, uh, I think a lot of kids come, came out of it being like, I thought you don't have to do anything. And I, you know, and I, and I hear Martin Luther's, I understand where he's coming from, especially at that time and place where like, he's trying to combat this whole notion of you have to do things. Right. You know, but I think James is really, you know, he's saying that once you get to that place, you need to then act on it. Um, right. So I always, I tell the kids this, uh, I use the, um, maybe my example's outdated now where I say, you know, you get a present for Christmas. Um, it's wrapped, and uh, you have the option of opening it or not opening it throwing away. I'm also going to happen to tell you that it's an Xbox, right? And so you're going to get an Xbox, and uh, now you still have those three options, you know, and, and you can either open it up and send it up and sign on to your Xbox Live account and share with other people in that gift, um, or you can just... Or you can throw it away, you know, either open it and throw it away or keep it wrapped up and throw it away. Or you can just leave it in the box. And I think that's what a lot of people do is they say, hey, I got this gift. Right. Um, but I'm going to leave it in the box. I'm not going to open it up and hook it up and, can, you know, and it's right. that community aspect as well, you know, and so to live in community. So, um, and right. that's what I feel like the good news is about, as it were. Um, I, I believe that my job as a youth director is just telling kids that they have an Xbox and say, you should probably open that up and share right. it with other people. Um, but it's up to them. You know, that's the other thing. That's why I don't yeah. like this person's uh, question about how many kids you saved, you know. is Right. Um, it's, I didn't do anything. I don't do anything. That's such terrible <laughs> right. theology <laughs> right. to say I saved anyone. Um, I, I try my best to use the spirit to illuminate the scriptures or whatever or just right. like regular experiences too because i also am a firm believer that god doesn't just talk through the scriptures and i know i like there are people who definitely believe that but uh um you know i think god works now every day i think it's right i I don't think it's you know sure the bible's 
the truth, whatever that word means, you know, right. or whatever, infallible truth of God or however people want to say it. But, I, you know, it doesn't mean to say that God isn't working now and, you know, right. and, you know, what is truth and, you know, Calvin will say, you know, you got to look at the whole experience of it before you start right. proof texting different scriptures <laughs> right, out yeah. of it. On my Facebook, I shared this, uh, I don't know if you saw it, the 10 women, 10 types of women that a, a Christian shouldn't should stay away from or something like that. I did not see that. Oh my goodness, it is so good. Um, <laughs> in that, it's like a giant. It's like a. It's a parody of itself. You know, it's, uh, right? You know, one of them is you know. So there's the uh, divorced woman and the um, you know one who doesn't believe in God. So don't you know get yourself tempted with that, which I also think is weird in itself. But then also one of them is not to marry an older woman. Because the man should be the spiritual head of the household. It's more difficult to be the head okay. of a household if a woman's older than you. And then he, like, throws in all these, like, kind of half texts, you know. And I'm like, this right. is the worst. <laughs> you know, but this dude has a PhD from a Christian college. Wow. Yeah. So, I wish I could, I wish I had it, but. Anyway, yeah, it's a mess. There's people who do terrible, who say terrible <laughs> things, you know. So, but uh, yeah, there was an interesting conversation then that resulted on it when I posted it up online and stuff. That right, yeah, you know, <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, I, right. But uh, well, yeah, I think it was the the conversation ended up. So I started being like, "This is stupid," and I'm not just. But then it turned to this place of where like Christians kind of become parodies of themselves, right? You know, and and that's the church's problem. I feel like that's why we can't keep the doors open because. People come here and they're like, "This is ridiculous." You know, you can, uh, you know, watch. There was a great sketch on uh, Saturday Night Live about um, going back to church for Christmas. You know, because uh, right. it was on their Christmas special and about how the organist will play all hundred hymns of whatever song and <laughs> right. all hundred verses of the hymn. And uh, you know, it, I watched it and go, "Yeah, that seems about right." Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's this like parody of it. You know, and it's absolutely true. So. Right. Become, you know, I don't know. We really have to watch ourselves when we, right, the way we speak of speak to other people too. You know, and the words that we use and the you know kind right. of um, the way in which we speak. You know, I, I we use a different language. Christians have a different language, right? You know, and and whether that's really you know goofy things like uh, um, intentional dating. Have you heard of that term? That's one of my I favorite. haven't. I have not. No. Oh, so intentional dating is that you don't just date for the sake of dating. You Every person you date um, is a potential spouse. And so you don't go into a relationship just because you have right. to do it with that end game and vision. And so intentionally, mm-hmm. you know, and so you'll hear like real, uh, I'm surprised you didn't hear it in the South, um, <laughs> but uh, maybe not in the city. Um, but that's, that's like a real uh, like... Uh, middle American white girl. Uh, right. I feel like uh, I'm surprised I didn't hear it at a Christian college. Actually, yes, that that would be a place where you hear. Um, you know, we're intentionally dating, which means that you know, you're, yeah. So, you know, or or words like orthopraxy, or you know, like right. I hear yeah. that stuff come from the pulpit of different churches, and I'm like, does the regular person in here? Uh, know what they're talking about, you know, know what you're right. talking about. That's a big giant word that I understand, but I also go to seminary. So, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I read books about this all the time. So, but there is a question of, and this is goes back to the music thing too, of what are we 
if we're too simple, do we lose the spirituality of it or the theology right. of it? And if we're too heady, do we lose people from listening to us? And right. So that's the conversation we always had. But right. Um, yeah, my uh, my sermon, my Christmas Eve sermon, I preached on Christmas Eve uh, for the family service, and uh, the whole theme of it was you're gonna be okay, right? And it's that's really simple and. I know I'm going to get, I know I, there are people who are not happy with that. So that's, uh, I guess wraps up this episode of this initial pilot kickoff. I don't know. Episode one of our full value, uh, podcast. Um, I'm here with, and, uh, so thanks Tony for showing up and putting up with my goofiness and, uh, thanks for having me. We'll see what happens uh, next. I don't know when, when, when this will go up or when another one will happen. So we'll see.